I'm Emily from the Silence from the Shadows podcast. The podcast where the Shadow Girls get together, tell stories, talk about storytelling and strange things that have caught her interest. If this sounds like the kind of podcast you'd like to listen to, then come join us in the shadows. We've got a story to tell you. And welcome Hi. back to Resting Witch Face, your one-stop haunt for everything. What? What is our? Are you with? kidding? <laughs> wait, <laughs> oh, wait, one, we forgot how to podcast. Great. Your one-stop haunt for all things uh-huh. spooky, bitchy, and jet-lagged. Yes. I'm Grant Jacoby. I am jet-lagged, and I'm also Bailey Bennett. I also woke up at 3.30. I don't remember how to do this, but here we are, and we're so excited. Yeah, Bailey just got back from Italy. I did. Yes. Um, how was it? It was truly magical. I was there for my cousin's wedding um, on the Amalfi Coast, which I... It's really ugly. Yeah, disgusting. Um, I didn't post a single photo, definitely not 14 over the course of six days. And um, yeah, I hated everything. No, it was lovely. I went with my grandparents and my sister, um, and it was great to spend time with them. And the wedding was amazing i've never been to a truly italian wedding before so there was so much there was just like a lot of meatballs we we arrived at the reception and there was pounds of mozzarella as the appetizer and i was like okay yeah yes i am home (laughs) sure (laughs) um but i mean i i personally really appreciate our fans for allowing us to take some time off so that i could go and do that and we could (laughs) be humans for a quick second. Yeah. Thank you to everyone for allowing Bailey to go to Italy for a week and for allowing me to just sweat my ass off here in in New York. Yes. um, We, we received all of your messages and it was just really sweet of everyone to tell us that you missed us because that's shocking. Um, (laughs) We didn't really think anyone would notice if we took three weeks off, but um, we're back. I moved into a new apartment. Yeah, we're recording from a brand new we location. Are. Let us know if it sounds the sound quality is better or worse. Or worse. That's entirely possible. Um, we don't really know what our setup is going to be here yet, but we're just going for it, and I'm loving it. I, me too. And I can speak for <laughs> I don't know. I can speak to the fact that this building definitely seems like it could be more haunted than your last oh, apartment building. It absolutely is. I told you that a an old woman did die in this apartment, and no one You're has right. lived in it for 20 years. So if her ghost is not here with us, I'm fucking leaving. What What was the name of the um the, the woman from uh whose ashes are at the haunted mansion? <laughs> Oh my god! Oh fuck, Grandma Joyce. That sounds right. I think that's right, and Please I think let us know she. Wrong. I think yeah, this, she's here with well, us. Uh, well, part of her might be here. The rest of her is at the haunted mansion. You're right. Um, Grant, can you also attest to how many plants you're surrounded by right now? Because I'm one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Fuck. <laughs> Eight. Oh my god. Yes. I didn't even seven. notice. Two of them. Nine. Are... Oh my Wait. god. No, that's that's a, that's oh. just a, a fake eucalyptus. Okay, <laughs> naturally, and only two of them are very dead since I left for a week. So, um, yes, my plant mom status is thriving. 
like, but uh, do you want to talk about you a little bit? I feel like I talked about myself for so long. All right. Well, Bailey cools off. Um, I don't. I don't know what I have to report. Um, I've been traveling, but within have the tri-state you? area. I went to the. I went to the Jersey Shore for cool. Labor okay. Day. Cool. Um, cool. Okay. Still great. unemployed. Great. Still thriving. Mm-hmm. Um, today is the first day in recent memory that it has been below eighty degrees. Oh and my it god! Had to, like dip right into the fifties. You guys. We we can't even possibly talk about being hot today because it is lovely outside. Of course, we, we still I'm still up, sweating. Yeah, but. I mean, we still brought up the weather, and I'm sure I'm going to be <sighs> sweating by the end of this. But um, this is the content you subscribe for. So yes, thank you, thank you so much. Um, yeah, I, f- I feel like your yeah your plants are thriving. We're thriving. Timothy Chalamet is th- thriving Timothy over Chalamet at the Toronto International Film Festival. Is truly living his best life. I thought he was living his best life last year, mm-hmm. but now I'm, he's like, I see that Oscar and I can grasp it. And I, I mean, I can't wait for him to do that. Yeah. I'm just very excited about the number of films coming out of the, the tiff, if you mm-hmm. will, um, between what's it called. It's beautiful boy mm-hmm. that he's in. Um, Halloween just screened. Oh really? Yeah. Oh out there. And a star is born is getting excellent reviews yeah that looks so shitty for how good people are saying it's gonna be but i'm i'm you think it looks shitty i I think it looks like it looks like it looks like a disney channel original movie to me what of like of like you if you just find your voice like you can do it i mean it's the it's a not a very original story considering Mm -hmm. this is the fourth version of a star is born Uh that's been made right um like i don't think it's like one of those things where like the the plot is overwhelmingly Mm -hmm original mm-hmm. but i've heard that miss stephanie germanata is pretty fantastic I'm, i mean i'm absolutely i'm like, here for it i'm more than willing to give her the benefit of the doubt and oh, I saw, that film the no, dead benefit yeah. of doubt i'm sorry go ahead no i was no. gonna say i saw dear evan hansen the other day that's oh, something cool. new was it good it was very good we're really all over the place yeah i mean it's we're just easing back into we're it. easing it's back into it a few weeks yeah um, we haven't seen each other since last we, we recorded we so. have not and that's Ever, ever, did I you? Whenever I see our friends now, they're always like, "How's Grant?" Yeah, I get. I'm the, like my boyfriend Grant. Yeah, he's doing well. Um, we see each other on a <laughs> weekly basis, so yeah, we're pretty caught up. <laughs> no, I get, I get the exact same. And I wouldn't have it any other way, BB. Oh, of course. And I mean, except when people are like, "How's like Bailey's new job?" I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know if "She likes it." I don't know what, my job what it is. Honestly, great. That's good. Yeah, I love it. So, um. I hear you have something to share, right? Something. Oh, yeah, I do have something to share. And it's actually not a very fun thing to share, but there's a lot oh, of things oh, about good. this podcast that aren't that fun. Um, but yeah, now that we've rambled on, mm-hmm. I guess this is, it's kind of a hey that scared the shit out of me, but it's also kind of just like something I wanted to read. Um, and because we took three weeks off, I feel like there's going to be a few things that we talk about today that maybe their time has passed a little bit, but like yeah, what else whatever. is new? Um, but but also, you might be listening to this in 2019 yeah. because we're... Or 2045. Yeah. Because we are the future. We are. Great. But all jokes aside, I... <laughs> I want to... really good jokes aside. Yeah, I, we're killing it. I wanted to bring up um, Molly Tibbetts, who oh, yes. was murdered uh, just a few weeks ago. Or she disappeared on July 18th of 2018 but um was found at the end of august and her murderer was caught as well i believe Mm -hmm. um but 
Uh, she was a University of Iowa college student who was basically kidnapped and murdered while on a jog in her hometown, um, which is, you know, one of my worst nightmares and just a horrible, horrible thing. And I read this thread recently by um, a woman named Alana Vagianos, Vagianos. I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce that. And I'm sorry, it sounds a little bit like vagina, but um, but she has some very <laughs> important words. Uh, she's actually a women's reporter at HuffPost, and she posted this thread on Twitter. What is a woman's reporter? Just no, like I think she like reports on she women's writes issues. about like gender and like women's issues and gotcha. social justice and things like that. But she so she posted this thread, and it starts off with a photo of a beach in Los Angeles, and it says, "This is the last place I ran alone and carefree." A thread on Molly Tibbetts and running alone as a woman, and I just mm-hmm. wanted to read it out because I thought it was terrifying and enlightening yeah um so she says i didn't always love running it wasn't until i got to college that i realized just how helpful it was for my mental health when i got depressed instead of smoking a cigarette i would run or most of the time i put my headphones in spandex shorts and t-shirt on and i would run circles in a small neighborhood off campus it was the best form of self-care i knew at the time during my last year at school i was napping on a wednesday afternoon as college kids do when a man attempted to break into my first floor bedroom window and climb into bed with me the police later asked if i was a runner and if i ran the same route of course i did i'm a creature of habit i didn't realize running the same route could cost me the peace of mind of being able to sleep on a first floor ever again i graduated and moved to la and that city just made my depression so much fucking worse so i ran a lot like a shit ton i ran every single day sometimes twice a day i lived near the ucla campus so most of the people around me were students Aside from a few cat calls, I ran for months uninterrupted. I ran a different route every single time. I felt safe. I felt so fucking good. A few months later, I moved to NYC. I had stopped running in the midst of a new job and the stresses of realizing I was apparently a full-blown adult. Eventually, my depression returned as it always does. I started running again. I ran the same route six days in a row. On the seventh night, someone tried to break into my second floor apartment bedroom by the fire escape. Oh my God. Yeah. I will never know if the break-in happened because some random person thought my window was the easiest to get into or if it's because I ran the same route six days in a row. I do know that I never ran alone again. Any woman who calls herself a runner knows just how terrifying the Molly Tibbetts story is. The lengths that women have to go to protect themselves from being alone in public spaces is restrictive, exhausting, fucking terrifying. I found out a few years after that first break-in that my sister was almost abducted by a few guys in a van while she was on a run in college. Thankfully, she was able to fight them off. I've never seen her go on a run since. Yesterday, my friend told me her mom stopped running after after dark and bought an elliptical machine after her best friend was kidnapped and murdered while she was on a run. Tibbetts had every right to run on her own. This is not a commentary on her actions, but a reflection on how the epidemic of violence against women, yes, it's a fucking, fucking epidemic, forces women to adapt and let go of things so integral to their well-being. I live on the 29th floor now. I keep a baseball bat by my bed. I still don't sleep very well and I don't really run anymore. And that's the end. Ugh. Yeah. So I thought that really got to me yeah, for a lot of reasons. Um, I mean, I don't even understand how so many horrible things have happened to this one woman mm-hmm. um, and the people that she knows, but that's, I think, not uncommon. It's and not. it's, it obviously hits really close to home living in New York mm-hmm. um, and feeling that way a lot of the time um i 
wouldn't exactly call myself a runner, um, but I do run very frequently outside and I never even considered that I shouldn't be running the same route and that someone might be looking to see where I live. Um, so that's just that's just a little tidbit of information. Ugh. Again, it's it's not a condemnation of anything that you're doing. You're not doing anything wrong. It's just unfortunately the circumstances that we live in currently. So Yeah, it's horrible because I and we've talked about this before is, you know, it's so it just sucks so much that people like like a situation like this has to occur that you right. can't even just like go about your day to day life, right? Um, because you feel unsafe and you have to kind of like change your not only your your, your routine but the way that you even you know fathom what your routine might be because right. the threat of someone and ugh, yeah, it's it's really terrifying and obviously what happened to Molly is incredibly tragic and. Was there, it was, she just was, she was just running and a guy followed her in his car and took her and I, yeah, I can't, it's really under, it's really hard to understand what motivates someone to do that. But, um, yeah, it's, it's clearly something to do with an ingrained feeling in our culture that I don't know that, that, that's somehow okay. Um, I don't really know what we do to fix it besides, try to make the next generation better than us and mm-hmm. make them realize that violence against women or anyone is not okay and hope that we can just you know raise raise better people exactly in the future. and and even you know violence aside that women aren't objects women aren't mm-hmm. women are people <laughs> this i mean it shouldn't be I mean, rocket science that's a little too far <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know i think that i I, uh, I just hope i think the only thing that I would hope that could come out of a horrible situation like this is that it it just opens up conversations and allows people who have had certain tendencies of misogyny or violence even to reflect on their behavior and how they, um, they go about conducting themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Sorry for that really fun. Um. No, it's important. It's really important. And I think that especially in today's society, we become desensitized to news stories like this. Like, mm-hmm. to be honest, like I knew that a girl named Molly Tibbetts was murdered. Mm-hmm. And um, but the narrative has been spun, at least the things that I've seen has been about. And I don't even I didn't. Well, I didn't even even research it too much because it was like, oh, like mm-hmm. another like horrible case. And I'm pretty sure her murderer was an illegal immigrant. Yeah, and that's what the narrative has yes. been about. Mm-hmm. So I've seen a lot of things where it's like totally. Um, and her and her parents have been really incredible in the in the media. And again, right, I really haven't been mm-hmm. doing the research, but yeah. they've been very much saying like, don't make this about that. Like because it's not nothing um, about this is about that. And but of course, like there are people who. Who will use that and use it to make a point? But it's that's not that's not the point we're making here. So no. anyway. Uh, uh, should we lighten the mood talking about some badass women that we Yeah, know? yeah, let's do that. I guess I should go first because then yeah. I'm gonna tell the story. So I'm just gonna keep on talking. Good. Uh I really I wanted to talk about this bitch for weeks. And I know I'm a little late to the game now, but I need to gush about um ariana grande that's who i was gonna do are you <laughs> okay, fucking kidding okay, me okay, okay so joint bitch okay great joint bitch, joint bitch. first time that's, ever right that's, yeah that's okay crazy she deserves it because sweetener is my so good bible so good I like i literally haven't stopped listening to her new album since it dropped and i am obsessed and i never like bef- i'm like 
out around the collar. I'm so excited. <laughs> I, I feel like before before this album, I feel like she, I, she, I felt like kind of indifferent towards her. Like I always thought she was an incredibly talented singer yes. and artist, but I hadn't like really spent a lot of time listening to her music. Agreed. But with this album, holy shit, I'm I'm holy obsessed shit. with her. I I like I love it so fucking much. Every song is so good. She's like really found her voice with mm-hmm. it. She is so talented. I like can't understand how she does the things with her voice that she does. Yeah, I. I think, yeah, for me, similarly, I've always enjoyed her music. It was was kind of like, oh, in the, you know, wide spectrum of pop music, you know, she's obviously a very talented voice. And she also, like, has some, like, certified bops. And I've always come in, like, I've never, like, listened to a full album of hers. Mm -hmm. And then with the songs that she'd been releasing kind of, like, one by one recently, I was, like, getting more into it. And then when I got the whole album, I just was, like, struck by the fact that it wasn't, like, a cliche pop album. It's, like, it's, like, pretty experimental and, like you know, is infused with some, like, very dreamy. And, like, it's got some, like, late 90s, like, Mm -hmm. R&B, hip-hop vibes. Um, And, like, some stellar guest stars mm -hmm. on, like, so many of the tracks. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just, like, I also, (laughs) I particularly love that she has a song on the album that's just about how successful she is. Mm -hmm. And she's like, yeah, I'm fucking so rich. Like, this is amazing. And I'm like, yeah, sing about it, girl, because you're doing great. Um, yeah, I think it's an incredible album and it's, it's one of those albums. I think it's like my favorite kind of album. Let's see how many times I can say album in mm-hmm. the same sentence, Keep um, going. is an album where you, <laughs> you, it's, it, it takes multiple listens to really get into it. And yeah. the more you listen to it, the more that you connect to it totally versus the time with the ones where you're like, it's instantly like instant gratification. Right. It's great. And then it burns out and you get tired of it. Right. I I have listened to it so many times without getting tired of it so yeah. far. So it's also just a great album to mm-hmm. um buzzword of this episode is album uh-huh. to just listen all the way Take through. A shot. Which which I think is <laughs> yes. very rare mm-hmm. these days. I think a lot of it it's just like very like single driven music. Yeah. Um another reason I wanted to her to be the bitch of the week, um, from my perspective, is as I'm sure You've probably seen in the news that her ex boyfriend mm-hmm. uh, Mac Miller recently passed away. Yeah, and she's getting a lot of shit for it. And what? She, yeah, she had to disable her comments on her Instagram because people kept commenting saying it was her fault that he died. Uh huh. Sure. Um, I'm pretty sure he died of a drug overdose. He did. And people keep saying, you know, like, I hope you're happy with Pete Davidson. Like, oh my god. Like really, really, like horrible, horrible, horrible things. And it makes me so mad. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, it it just comes around. It's like. So we're now blaming this woman because right. of a man's demons. And like I'm and I'm not trying to blame him for anything or no. you know, um it's it's very sad. I, I didn't wasn't really familiar with his music, but like it's really sad to hear of anyone passing away of a drug overdose and someone who's twenty six years old. Yeah, so young obviously talented and yes. had a lot of life ahead of him. Yeah, and obviously had his own personal issues right. and it sucks. And, you know, the things have been said are basically kind of like oh, her leaving him and dating Pete Davidson and, like, releasing this album, like, caused him to overdose. And it's like, that's not how it works. No. Um, and speaking as someone who's, like, I was not in a relationship with someone who had a drug problem, but, I like, even dating with someone who I, I dated, someone who suffered from severe de- depression. Yeah. And it got to a point where, actually, when I got out of that relationship, I was like, I felt this, like, big weight lifted because I was like, I'm not in charge of that person's problems anymore. Right. And obviously you want to be there and you want to be supportive. And I obviously encourage anyone who is struggling with any sort of mental health issues or substance issues to Seek reach help. out, yeah. talk to someone. 
But if you're in a relationship, it's not your sole responsibility mm-hmm. to, be. to save someone. And especially like if you got out of the relationship and who knows what was going on, like right. she's happy, like she, let her be happy. And also, also like her ex just died, like leave her alone. She's probably exactly. grieving. She's probably really fucking sad. Absolutely. She posted, she, I, I was watching her Instagram, what she would, she posted a photo of him, I think last night or two days ago with no caption, just like acknowledging the fact that she is in a mourning period. And I think a lot of people mistakenly think that because, because of social media now and because celebrities are always posting things and they're, you know, you're watching their stories and you feel really connected to them through Instagram and through other mediums that you somehow know their life and you Mm -hmm. know them and you know how they should react to things and you know about their relationships and their past. And we don't, we don't know her and we didn't know him and we didn't know what happened in their relationship. And we obviously don't know why they broke up, but it's it doesn't fucking matter. And it doesn't have anything to do with this horrible tragedy. So nope. also like she's been through enough. Like, yeah, keep in mind everyone yeah. out there mm-hmm. that she there was a terrorist attack at yeah. one of her concerts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's had to, and she was kind of has gotten flack for not handling that in a way that people like or it just it's so fucking stupid. So stupid. And like, leave leave her alone. Yeah, she's. An extremely talented artist. And She's download Sweetener. Doing her best. Listen to Sweetener. Buy Sweetener on iTunes. <laughs> okay. This okay. is just like a... Everything we just had so much to get out and around. we're just vomiting it right into this microphone <clears throat> for you. Um, so okay. you're telling a story this week. Yeah, I'm going to tell a story this week. I'm very excited. I don't know what it is. I barely remember how to do this. Uh, well, so keeping with the theme of my Italy trip, I decided... I wanted to do something related to mm, the, nice. the history of that country. I'm pretty sure you haven't heard of this, um, but I'm going to tell you about a woman named Beatrice Cenci. Ah. Uh, and yes, I'm going to try to pronounce things well in Italian throughout this because I mean, it's are... the only language I know a little bit of. And it's going to be like, you know, when people are like, Barcelona, it's yeah. going to be like that. So when, when Giada yeah, pronounces any cheese... Okay, it's going to be just like that. Thank God. So, Grant, I'm going to take you back to Rome. Mm. La Cita Eterna. Just, that was so bad. Oh I'm vomiting. <laughs> um, in the late 16th century. Okay. So that's the 1500s, yes? It is. It is the 1500s, Grant. Great Ooh. job. Um, this was a time when Renaissance art was giving way to a new style of Baroque art, mm. when Shakespeare would have been at the height of his writing career, mm. visiting Italy for inspiration. Uh, villas were popping up all over Veneto, and Galileo was just coming of age in Pisa. <laughs> in this age of literature yeah. and art, however, we of course find corruption, <gasps> lurid secrets, and even murder. Of course. Um, so... I got a lot of this information from a really fantastic article by Charles Nichol. Like this was so extensive called Screaming in the Castle, the Ooh. case of Beatrice Chenchi um, and also Wikipedia and also Atlas Obscura and a lot of other stuff. This is an old, this is an old story and I will mm-hmm. preface it in saying there's a lot of information out there and there are a lot of contradictory things, okay. small details mostly that are that are contradictory, but it's one of those stories that's been around for so long and has evolved a lot and has 
become quite a legend, which you'll kind of see why more at the end. But I think I pieced together a relatively good representation of sure what happened, but just just as a little a little preface for that. So our story centers around Beatrice Cenci, the daughter of Ursilia Santa Croce and Count Francesco Cenci. Oh. Uh, Beatrice was born in 1577 and lived in a large palazzo, or which is kind of a large which is kind of a large aristocratic home um, of the time, which was called Palazzo Cenci. I'm having a stroke. Um, <laughs> Keep all this. In. <laughs> which was called Palazzo Cenci, um, in Regola at the edge of the Jewish ghetto with her family in Rome. Her father was a wealthy heir with a bad reputation, but more on that later. Mm. When Beatrice was seven, her mother Ursilia died in June of 1584, leaving her to live with her father, Francesco. For a time after her death, Beatrice and her older sister Antonina were sent to live in a small monastery for Franciscan tertiary nuns in the Colonna district of Rome because, like, daddy was really great. And mm. you're, you're going to see just how great he was. Um, Francesco was known to be cruel, hot-tempered, selfish, and violent, and everyone in Rome basically knew that this was the case. However, he was, he was very wealthy. He was quite powerful um, in some ways just because that's how things worked in those days. He was constantly buying or talking his way out of trouble. And although he was accountable, held accountable for a few crimes, his status always allowed him to get away with much more than the average person. Um, he's said to have starved his servants until he was ordered by the papal courts to feed them. <laughs> huh. Cool. After his first wife died and he remarried a woman named Lucretia Petroni, he was known to have cheated on Lucretia with a mistress and even allegedly beat her until she performed sexual acts for him against her will, which eventually led to a conviction of unnatural vice, um, but likely didn't really receive much punishment for that. There's also evidence that he beat his first wife before her death as well. Allegedly, he also even confessed to molesting young boys during three separate court cases, but always walked away with a fine or a few months in jail. Well, this dude is all over the place. He is really, he is putting poking his poker in a lot of fires is that a saying i think it is now i think i said it exactly right okay so like yeah he's a really great great guy um (laughs) he lived in the palazzo cenci with beatrice which is also her name is probably pronounced beatrice but i'm not gonna do that yeah let's not okay his wife lucrezia (laughs) his son giacomo and Bernardo, his youngest son from his second marriage. <laughs> uh, do you want me to pronounce those again for you? Did you get them all? I got them okay, all. Okay, great. Um, however, Fran- Francesco was so terrible that his children tried desperately to get away from him any way that they could. So his son Giacomo eventually left and disowned his father. While his Can you disown him? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, you know. Well. Yeah, you could. Dad, we're done. Yeah, I'm getting a new dad. (laughs) Uh, His daughter, Antonina, actually petitioned the Pope to ask for permission to either marry someone without her father's consent or to join a convent to escape him. Mm. So girl was like, I would really rather be a nun for the rest of my life than Than hang out with my dad in a palace. So, you know. You you know that shit was fucked up. it's, It's a little fucked up. Uh, luckily the Pope 
did consent to her marriage, and she moved out, leaving the father with a large dowry to fulfill for her, which he was pretty pissed about. So, on a side note, the Trier or Trier witch trials in Germany were also happening during this exact time period, um, which are known as probably the largest witch trials in European history, proving that respect for women and a sense of value in their well-being was not at the top of everyone's list. Just so you know. Look how far we've come. Exactly. Unfortunately, with the other siblings gone, the younger Beatrice was left to deal with her father's behavior. It is said that when she tried to report what he did to her, he became enraged and moved Beatrice and Lucretia into their remote country estate in the mountains northeast of Rome, a castle called La Rocca. And now I know what you're thinking. A castle just outside of Rome in like the hills of Tuscany doesn't sound like the worst. However, I think it wasn't that great for them. I can't attest. It's a very beautiful country. (laughs) Rome is my favorite. (laughs) Anyway, um, at at the castle, at La Rocca, Francesco basically imprisoned the two women inside the castle, making them spend most of their time in, in one suite. Oh, that's the worst. It's like you have a whole castle and you're like, oh, I can only stay in this one room. Yeah, exactly. Okay, now this shit gets all gross. Oh. So he allegedly insisted that both women sleep in the same bed with him, his wife, oh. his second wife and his daughter. Ooh. He contracted scabies. And then he started forcing Beatrice to scrape the scabies off of his body on a regular basis from head to toe. Okay. So that's happening. Bye, this podcast is canceled. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She was whipped and beaten by her father. And she kept trying to send letters to her brother Giacomo for help. But her father would find out or they would get intercepted. And it it wasn't working out for her. Um, Can I I tell a story about scabies? (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Wait. Oh, oh. Okay. Yes. I feel like I know what you're going to say. Oh. So when I was studying abroad in France, I we were, okay. I you're <laughs> we were staying at this like remote, um, like artist commune in Burgundy. And one day they like sat us all around. Like we like were having our morning class and we realized like one of, it was like a small program, probably like 15 of us. And like one of the people in like my program wasn't there. And they like, so it was like notably not there. And, like, one of our professors, like, sat us all around and was, like, so, just so you know, there's a pretty good chance that, um, I'm not going to use her name, like, has contracted scabies. Oh, my and God. And if that's the case, there's a really good chance because we're at this remote villa and there's one washer and dryer. There's, <gasps> like, a really good chance that everyone's going to get it. Nope. What are you doing in my apartment? Please leave. Yeah. <laughs> This was six years ago. Okay, great. Um, and I still have them today. No, uh, but then it, it was like all for nothing. And she ended up just like having like some sort of like rash on her vagina. Oh my God. Because like okay. she, like from like the detergent or something, whatever it was, it was like Thank a total God. false alarm. But like getting like a sat in a circle, like by one of your professors, like, and being like, so just so you know, you might all. That is. Get scabies was. That's my new worst nightmare. Yeah, I was. Pretty, I didn't. I, for, I, didn't I like know, blocked that out. Yeah, that's fucking horrible. I was. I think. I think maybe someone from my high school had it because I thought you were going to. I thought you were going to talk about someone from college, but I think I'm just remembering things wrong. Oh, when the clap was going around. Oh, that was that. That was happening. <laughs> Confirmed. Okay, great. Um. Back to the story. Back to the story. Okay, so. Scabies. Scabies. Actually, this is kind of bad. 
it's very bad. So you may suspect, you know, that Francesco's abuse of Beatrice did did not stop there. Um, Yeah, I was going to say. And indeed, there were many rumors and even witness testimony that Francesco was also sexually abusive towards Beatrice. Um, Like, why? Dude was fucking bored and horrible. I don't know. A former servant of the family um, named Caledonia Lorenzinia offers the closest thing we have to proof of the situation. She said that a few days before Christmas in 1597, she was in bed at the third hour of the night when Lucrezia came in, having been sent out of her own bedroom by her husband. A few minutes later, Caledonia says, I heard a voice, which seemed to be that of Beatrice, saying, I do not want to be burned. I heard nothing else afterwards. The following morning, I asked Signora Beatrice what had ailed her when she uttered those words. She told me that her father had come into her bed, and she had told him she did not wish him to sleep there. Like, just just literally so disgusting and disturbing, clearly. But things are about to take a turn. For the better? You decide. Sometime after 7 o'clock on the morning of September 9th, 1598, a woman named Plautilla Calvetti was, quote, combing flax in her home, as one does at 7 a.m. Bitch, I don't know. I don't don't actually care. Okay. Um, So she she heard a commotion outside, which she described as shouted words that I could not understand. She hurried out into the street and someone she knew called to her saying, Plautilla, they are screaming in the castle. Plautilla? Girl. How do you spell that? Um, P-L-A-U-T-I-L-L-A. Sure. I don't, I could be pronouncing it. Oh, that's probably wrong. right. Plautilla, like a tortilla? Ah, uh, ooh. Well, this is Italy. Mm. Cool. The castle in question was La Roca where the Count, now 52 years old, was living with his wife and daughter. The castle sat on a hill above the town, and Plautilla knew the castle better than most, as her husband, Olympio, was the castle manager there. Like, what a resume point, huh? (laughs) Um, Plautilla also worked at the castle as a housekeeper. So she ran straight away up the steep track to one of the windows, and she actually saw Beatrice in one of the windows and she called to her, but she didn't answer. She was clearly distraught, but, quote, strangely silent, unlike her stepmother, Lucrezia, who could be heard sc- screaming inside of the castle. A few men came hurrying by, and as they pa- passed Plautilla, they told her that Count Chenchi, Chenchi was dead. His body was lying in a patch of scrub below the castle rock, and it appeared he had fallen from the wooden balcony that ran around the upper story of the castle. There was a drop of about 42 feet from the balcony, and part of the balcony seemed to have collapsed. There was splintered wood and and a hole in the floor, although it looked somewhat small for the Count to have actually fallen through it. Hmm. Three or four of the men climbed down the wilderness wall and confirmed that Chenchi was dead, but the body was already cold to the touch, suggesting that his death had occurred some hours before. A crowd of villagers gathered around to see the body, his face and hair were matted with blood, and his wounds were very extensive, with onlookers saying they could they could barely stand to look at him. Um, it was during the washing of the body at the castle pool that questions started. Wait, what? They took him to the castle pool to wash his go body. For a little dip. Because that's what you do at a crime scene. <laughs> um, questions started to arise surrounding the circumstances of his death. 
As they rinsed the blood off of his body and his face, they found that he had three wounds on the side of his head. Two were on his right temple, with the larger one being a, quote, finger long, and the deepest and ugliest wound was near his right eye. The priests who priests who witnessed the washing of the body all claimed to have recognized instantly that his wounds had not been made by a fall from the balcony, but by a violent blow with a sharp instrument. Uh-oh. They thought he had been, quote, they thought that the the wounds had, quote, been made with a cutting tool like a hatchet or with a, quote, pointed iron. One of the priests also noted that there was a deep bruise on the Count's arm above his left wrist. The, le- the death was quickly ruled a murder rather than an accident. What do you think is going to happen? Um, they just let it be because he was a horrible, horrible person. And who cares who killed him? Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Mm. Um. So Neapolitan authorities investigated the murder over the next year, and the facts of the case are, at this point, rather clear. The scabies did it, right? It was the scabies. They revolted. <laughs> um, Count Cenci had indeed been murdered quite violently. He had been drugged by a sleeping drought, and while he slept, two men had entered his bedroom. Despite the drug, it seems that he woke up uh, at their intrusion, but one of the men held him down, which accounts for the bruise on his wrist while the other placed an iron spike against his head and drove it in with a hammer. Yikes. Mm -hmm. The two smaller wounds on his head were probably uh, the first two tries at doing so. Ooh. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Third time's a charm. How do they figure that out in the 1500s? I mean, they... I guess it took them a year. Yeah, it took them a year. There's a lot of... They interviewed a lot of people. I don't know. I mean, I think they could still examine the wounds, Supposedly, this is like accurate to what happened, but also, yeah, whatever. Who knows? Um, they tried to make it look like an accident by breaking um, a hole into the balcony where he could have fallen through, but they didn't bother to get rid of the blood-soaked sheets before riding off into the night. So mm. that kind of tipped people off that maybe <sighs> because he had bled out in the bed beforehand, that he had not accidentally fallen off the balcony. Yeah. As you may have guessed, I wrote. I wrote in my notes, as you may have guessed, but you actually did not guess. Oh. Did, did you want to try again? No. Um, that it was not two men? No, it was, but okay. So as you may have guessed and the authorities later uncovered, the murder had been plotted and committed by the Count's own family. Oh, yeah, duh. Okay, great. Great, cool. <laughs> I was like, I'm being so mysterious. <laughs> um, many said Beatrice herself had acted as the mastermind of the plot. Good for her. Yes. After years and years of abuse, Beatrice and Lucrezia, with the help of the other son, Giacomo, decided they needed to seek their revenge on the Count. At first, in 1598, they attempted to drug him in order to kill him, but to no avail. So instead, they involved two men in their plans to make sure the next time would play out as planned. The two men were actually Olimpio Calvetti, the trusted castle manager of La Roca, and the husband of Plautilla, and dun-dun-dun, the secret lover of Beatrice. Oh, whoa. I I did not see that coming. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Um, As well as another hired accomplice named Marzio Catalano, who I believe they basically just paid for the job. Um, these were indeed the two men who snuck in by night to murder Count Cenci, but they were really only hitmen. The true architects of the murder were Lucrezia and Beatrice and Giacomo. 
Giacomo was actually in Rome when it happened, but his extensive confessions, which is probably how they know it happened, um, (laughs) provided the bulk of the case against them. Beatrice was said to have been the most unsatisfiable of the conspirators and the one who urged the assassins on when they had second thoughts at the last minute. Like, get a girl. During the year-long judicial process that would follow the murder, both hitmen would die. Oh, great. Yeah. Beatrice's lover, Olympio, was tortured and died without ever revealing the truth. Oh, wow. hmm I know. With Marzio dying under torture in prison as well. Mm-hmm. Though there was some evidence to support the abuse claims against Francesco, as well as plenty of general knowledge across the city that he was the monster everyone said he was, it was not enough to save the family who took his life. The Pope felt that he could not take a chance of setting an example that patricide would go unpunished, and Beatrice, Giacomo, and Lucrezia were all sentenced to death for the killing of the Count. Yeah. Beatrice. Mike sucks. (laughs) Really sucks. Beatrice never confessed to the crime, maintaining her innocence until her dying day, and only once letting slip the truth about her father's abuse, which basically went unnoticed by the authorities. So at dawn on September 11th, 1599, the three convicted family members were taken to the bridge at Castel Sant'Angelo on the banks of the Tiber River. Unrelatedly, this is actually my favorite spot in Rome. It's gorgeous. (laughs) It's just like a great place for an execution. It's just like a truly stunning like river. And there's like it's it's like majorly featured in um, Angels and Demons, I think. Oh, yeah. So anyway, like the Lizzie McGuire movie. I don't think it's in that one, actually. But I love it there. However, on this day, it was not a great omen for them. So they're all being taken there to their death. In in the cart on the way, Giacomo was subject to continual torture. When they arrived, because... Like, why not? In this time, it was customary for the punishment for men to be much worse because... These were even a convicted murderess. They mm-hmm. wouldn't do these things to a woman. So they're torturing him all along the way. When they arrive, they bash his head in with a mallet. Oh, God. And then he's drawn and quartered oh. in front of the whole town and the rest of the family. Like, I I just want you to imagine for one second, you're watching your brother be drawn and quartered in front of you, knowing you will die within the next 10 minutes. In the uh. next... I I mean like I'm obviously we're fans of true crime and Mm -hmm. horrible shit on this podcast as all of you who are listening but like the concept of like the whole town coming to watch is like a very strange Mm -hmm. phenomenon I mean I would literally never I would never want to be close to anything of the sort like that's it's just this was how it was though yeah and it's supposedly some sources that I that I found said that the townspeople were pretty distraught and upset over the whole situation and thought that the family should not have been punished or at least sentenced to death mm-hmm. for for killing him because they knew what this Which man was horrible. like yeah man. um so lucrezia was then beheaded on the block with oh. a small axe though she fainted before the deed was done which is like kind of nice like mid like she like she like got to the block and was like and she like like, fainted and then they killed her which is like at least she wasn't awake for it um beatrice was last she died calmly and cleanly on the block she was 22 oh my god Mm -hmm. only the youngest bernardo who was 12 at the time was spared also having nothing to do with the murder whatsoever like 
However, he was forced to watch the executions of all of his family members Mm. before returning to prison and having all of his belongings confiscated by the Pope's family. He was then to become a galley slave for the rest of his life, but he was actually released a a year later to live whatever life you can live after something Mm. like that happens to you. So probably thrived. Yeah, he's and that this is the story of Michelangelo. Um, (laughs) Beatrice was buried in the church of San Pietro in Montorio. In an interesting twist, in 1879, an archivist named Dr. Antonio uh, Bertoletti seemed to come across an interesting discovery in examining Beatrice's will. In her first will, Beatrice left a large sum of money, about 20,000 scudi, which I don't know what that is, but I think it is a lot, um, to charitable and religious causes. She made particular provisions for the, quote, dowries of poor girls in marriage, which, like, girl, tell me about it. However, uh, Bertoletti was particularly interested by one item in the will, which alluded to a secret trust made with her friend Caterina. It read... I bequeath to Madonna Caterina de Santis, widow, 300 scudi in money to be placed at interest and the interest to be given in alms according to the instructions I have given her. If the said Madonna Caterina should die, this legacy is to be transferred to others on condition that they use it for the same purpose according to my intention as long as the person to whom these alms are to be given remains alive. Hmm. So basically, Beatrice had you know, some kind of secret with this woman that wasn't entirely revealed in in the will, but she would later add to the will and increase, she increased the sum to 1,000 scudi. I don't know what the fuck that is. And um, she specified the purpose of the money would be in the support of a certain poor boy. And it cannot be proven, but many think it likely that this poor boy was actually her secret son that she had out of wedlock with her lover, Olympio. and that she was taking provisions to care for him after her inevitable death. Um, A secret pregnancy would also obviously have given the Count even more reason to be enraged and lock her away in the castle and given her more motive to take her revenge against him. So that's that's possible, but we don't don't know. Uh, Since her death, Beatrice has become a symbol of resistance against the arrogance, greed, and cruelty of the aristocracy in Rome and all across Italy. Obviously, her story is very tragic, but her legend continues to grow strong, and it has been reimagined in countless ways in plays, novels, and films, each one growing more exaggerated than the, than the last. In reality, she was a young girl suffering at the hands of her own father, who simply couldn't take it anymore. And while the cold-blooded nature of the murder is hard to ignore, her motive seems pretty wholly justified and her revenge well-placed. Her name and her likeness can still be seen all over Rome, and her story is still one for badass bitches everywhere. Um, It is now said that every year on the anniversary of her death, her ghost returns to the bridge where she was executed. Many people claim to have seen her at the castle or walking across the bridge, always carrying her severed head in her hands. I mean, where else are you going to carry it? I mean, she she wasn't killed with, she didn't have a bag, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the story of Beatrice Cenci. Sucks. <laughs> it really sucks. Yeah. I mean, pretty. But she is. Not that I'm advocating murder, but like. I mean. If you're going to do it. Like, yeah. I guess like when it's like your father is like abusing and raping you. It's pretty fucking bad. But yeah, she is like. Her story is just like a huge, huge legend in Rome. And 
I kind of love her, so. Yeah. yeah. P, like, P badass. P, P badass. Molto badissimo. I'm sure there's a lot of good Italian ghost stories. I'm sure. I, this one was, look, guys, this was a this was a last minute plane research story. Um, I love it. I, loved I it. okay, good. I basically, no, I I think I searched ghosts of Rome, and she was the first one. And I was like, like yep, <laughs> we're doing that. So, I I've, I'm running on like two hours of sleep. Let's no, do this. You're killing it. Thank um, you. Do you want to complain then? I guess. Um, I just, do you have anything else to reflect on that story? Oh, it's anything? pretty. Um, well, uh, well, I guess it if, fucking sucked to live in the 16th century. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't sound amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the castle sounds nice. I could live in a castle. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. I'll, I'll complain. <laughs> Not to loop it back around to weather. Please do. Um, but so the other day in New York, it was well into the 90s and i'm i'm actually not going to complain about how much i hate it because oh do you sweat a lot i never noticed only d- only when i'm awake mm. and mm. and sometimes when i sleep mm. i'm sorry i'm just taking a yeah well i'm seltzer uh so the other day i was walking to a meeting and i was walking through central park obviously like dying mm-hmm. and a carriage horse mm-hmm. like passing by and mm-hmm. like it just like it like made me like think for a second. Where I was like, okay, so like I obviously know how hot I am as a human being. Mm-hmm. But, like imagine how hot that fucking poor horse is, oh my and God. having to like drag around dumbass tourists through Central Park, and like they don't really get to like have a break. Yeah, and I just like I had this like moment of like rage where I was like, that's not what that animal is for. And okay, I have the worst thing to add to this story. Oh, okay. because when I was in Italy, okay. I, I love I love Italy so much and I'm gonna complain more about it in my, in my complaint but Great. a lot of the thing a lot of their customs are you know pretty old school and I was on the Amalfi coast where my part of my family is from and we were in this little town and we were driving around and we saw there was a construction site like in it, all of these towns are carved into mountains so it's like there's mm-hmm. no space for anything and they were there was a construct a small construction site on the side of the road and they were actually using like pack mules or ponies i don't not exactly sure what they were but they had like loading them up with cement blocks and oh making them walk up the mountain as if they were like a bulldozer because they can't like they there isn't even like room for them to have vehicles up there but i was I I also had I had the exact same moment where I was like this is horrible and I understand mm-hmm. that like so many people are, humans are subjected to like labor like this and have been in the past but there's something so sad about an animal because they obviously can't stand up for themselves they don't have yeah, like they don't labor understand. laws they don't they can't tell you when they're tired they can't like go home and watch TV at the end of the day pack meals of the world start union uh. start a union. <laughs> No, I, yeah, I, it just like, it made me just like really annoyed. And like, it just also then reminded me of um, something I saw online once where if you are wondering if it's like too hot to take your pet outside, mm-hmm. like put your back of your hand mm-hmm. on the cement. And if you can't like hold it there, I think it's for longer than like five seconds mm-hmm. because it gets too hot. It's too hot to walk your dog. Yeah. And like, just like be kind to animals. Oh, and I say this is like a proud carnivore, but like, mm-hmm. I'm also not eating horse. <laughs> exactly or dog or dog but yeah i mean they 
animals just are they just want to love you and no. we are here to take care of them and you know yeah also just don't go in a fucking carriage yeah the, on, guys it's not that fucking great i i promise you it smells like poop the whole time it's it's not magical and it's so just the rest like of new york someone right who wants your money all of new york smells like poop all the time <laughs> um okay great well yeah let me let me complain a little uh. bit more about driving in italy oh yes go for it <laughs> well yeah so as i described we are we were staying in these like little mountain towns um where my grandma is from and where we still have a, a lot of family there obviously the amalfi coast is so so stunning i really shouldn't be complaining but yeah, it's but, but here you are but here we are oh this i mean wouldn't be on brand for me if i didn't um because because these towns are carved into the mountains you have to drive on roads that should not be roads yes yeah, sidewalks um, they don't fit like one car but they allow it's like two it, it's like one car can barely fit but it's a two-lane road and they allow giant tour buses to mm. go up there mm-hmm. um so my family rented a car while we were there and my grandfather was driving the whole time and now my grandparents are very active and in very good health but he is like 75 years old has literally one good eye <laughs> and i feared for my life the entire time because you're you're just driving at the edge of a cliff mm-hmm. for hours, like hours of these tiny winding roads. And like bye. the people in Italy <laughs> on a normal basis are very low key. Like the lifestyle in Italy is very laid back. Like they will sometimes take like a two hour lunch at home before going back to work or just like take a nap at 4 PM. They just, they literally close all the stores to let people nap. Like it's, it's a very laid back lifestyle. But when they are on the road, apparently they all of a sudden really have places to be mm-hmm. because these people would not fucking slow down for two seconds to like allow us to not die. So my grandfather is trying his very best to like drive around these huge turns and like not go over the side of, of a cliff. And like p- everyone behind him is just like honking for him to go faster. And he's he's like doing his absolute best. Uh-huh. And he would just he kept like pulling over to the side of the road to be like, Go right past me, guys. And every time they'd go past, they like look over to him and would like, they'd be like, like, you know, giving the, what's this thing? I, I don't know. <laughs> the stereotypical Italian Yeah, the handshake. stereotypical Italian gesture. Yeah. But he he did his best. And well, I'm glad you we didn't took die. our time. Yeah, we survived it. And I would have hated that. I would have been like, you would have oh, hated if I died. Uh, yeah. I meant more like mm-hmm. being in that car. But yeah. Do you get car sickness? If I sit in the backseat. Yeah. If it's something that's, that's started for me recently and it was quite a time. Yep. So. <sighs> okay. Well, I think we did it. Yeah. That's the. That was, we were, uh, that, I really felt a little rusty, but. Yeah. But you know what? We're, we're getting, getting back, back into, into it. it. Um, yeah. Stay with us. Obviously we love your patronage. <laughs> um, be sure to um, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Thank you for those of you that have been leaving reviews. Um, it's really nice. Yeah. It's really um, nice. Follow us on Instagram mm-hmm. at RWF Podcast. Um, you can follow us on Twitter also at RWF Podcast for the deluge of fall retweets that I've been doing. Oh, yeah. Because there's a, lo- a lot of other Twitter oh, folks that are excited that it's, it's the most wonderful um, time of the year. That, you know, the the holy time of Halloween is approaching us. Although, us. will I be celebrating Halloween by like dressing up in a costume Absolutely and going anywhere? Not. Fuck that. We won't no. be doing anything. No. I'll no. be like watching Hocus Pocus and like oh, the come yeah. from my own home. I'll do that for, with you. Um, I do just have to say, we've, you guys leave us so many nice comments on Instagram. Like, I mm-hmm. truly just like cry about it every night. But, 
I posted this one photo from Italy where we went, uh, my family visited this villa in, um, in Ravello that had a crypt that you could visit. And I said I was too claustrophobic to go. And someone commented that Buffy would have done it. I and I, I honestly was crushed. Like, you're not wrong, but I get really, like, really freaked out in small spaces. I, and do I, I didn't want to go down there, um, which is, you know, we talk a big talk, but we don't do any of that no. shit in real life. Are you kidding me? So I'm really sorry about that. And I'm sorry I let you down. Oh, whatever. <laughs> anyway, love you guys. Yeah. Um, Until next time. Bye, Bye bitches. bitches.